Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And you're listening to The Friday Forge, a weekly episode where we dismantle short stories, smelt bookish ideas, and hammer out topics brought forth by the Book Reviews Kill community. This week's episode was going to be a short story recap, but Chad and I saw some really great questions crop up over the last week, and we wanted to get those answered instead. So we'll do a short story next week, everybody. Uh, our first question comes from Jennifer, one of our patrons and a Discord member. Jennifer asks, what other genres are y'all wanting to maybe try soon? I know Evan said he wants to read more classics. Anything else? Cool. Great question. That is a great question. You know, it's this podcast has been such an awesome experience for my my growth as a reader because it's really forced me to expand beyond my like, does it have six or more books and it's epic high fantasy with world ending stakes sort of like room that I was stuck in for many years. So I feel like it's just kind of naturally pushing me outside my my realm. But as I'm kind of learning more about what I like and don't, I'm directing it a little bit, though I'm kind of leaving some room for it to just spread its wings on its own. Um, I want to expand this year a little bit more in my uh, fantasy romance subgenre. Ooh. I had a lot of fun with Akatar. I got a couple others that are on my list. Um, some a little uh, zestier than others, you know, kind of get a little bit more of a, a widespread feel for that subgenre. I think I want to read a few classics as well, though, not just like I want to read more classics specifically. I want to give The Count of Monte Cristo another read. Yeah, because I read it when I was like really 14. Yeah. I've heard from so many people that I trust, including you, that it's like one of your favorite books of all time. So I think I should probably get farther than like 200 pages and it, and, and attack it with my adult brain. You should give Pride and Prejudice a shot. It was awesome. It really? was really, okay. really good. Yeah, it's funny. It's It's fantastic. It's funny, huh? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, wow, I laughed, okay, I laughed okay. out loud like multiple times reading it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I also really want to um, specifically read Treasure Island again. I found my copy of it the other day and I just read a few chapters and I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, it's cl- <laughs> that's a true blue classic for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was like reading it out loud to myself and having fun with the voices. It was great. Um, I'm really enjoying Berserk. I picked it up again also the other day just because we got kind of sidetracked by a bunch of um, priority taking door stoppers. And as I read more and more uh, mangas, I think I'll probably want to peer into that door a little bit further as well. Um, And then I don't really know what this would be maybe like modern day horror, but I want to read more books similar to Neil Gaiman's Ocean at the End of the Lane. I found that to just like capture my imagination and my heart and also terrify the bejesus out of me. And I loved it. I think that you might be interested in some maybe some like fairy tale retelling type stuff if you really yeah. like the Ocean at the End of the Lane because it kind of has that it. bent. Um, you might want to check out uh, Naomi Novik's uh, Uprooted. That has a really cool kind of like mysterious antagonist, I guess you could call him. It's got like a tree silhouette with the gremlin yeah, on the front, yeah. right? It's a yeah, really, totally. it's an interesting, uh, it's a really interesting book. There's a bunch of those kinds of fairy tale retellings that are, have kind of got that same vibe to it. And then um, I think what a lot of people have been doing with fairy tale retellings is putting a little bit of a creepy like suspenseful yeah. bent on them you know i think that's what i want i think knee jerk i'd be like i want more fishermen but i don't think anyone could ever make another fisherman so it's like that can just stay oh, in its no. like own little wonderland unicorn zone of its own but i just man there's certain scenes from the ocean at the end of the lane that are forever burned into my 
memory of just like wow how horrific i also picked this up a little while ago and it's called house of salt and sorrows i think someone actually bought it for me from my wish list actually um but that's supposed to be very fairy tale ish as well uh, it's by aaron a craig um i've heard nothing but good things about that like you if you go down that road chad you will not stop finding things i promise i'm sorry you. what was the name of that one again i was trying to find the note in my phone yeah it's called house of salt and sorrows salt. And sorrows, cool. And then you say Naomi Novik's "Uprooted" and "Spinning Silver" was yeah, the other two. Yeah, right? okay. Totally. Uprooted for sure. I really liked that one. And then "Spinning Silver," um, I don't know what it was about it. I think I just wasn't in the mood for it. It was just, it was just taking a long time to get to where I thought it was going, and then it didn't go where I thought it was going, and I was like, "What is this?" But they are very mood-based books. You gotta be in the right mode for them, you know. Cool. Thanks for the recommendations. What uh, what are you thinking there on your list of things that you want to adventure further into? Uh, I might have mentioned this in an earlier podcast, but I've had a strange urge to read thrillers lately. Uh, I've been in the mood for some Dan Brown. Oh, my God. I literally had in my notes, but I didn't say it was like, whatever the fantasy version of Angels and Demons. Is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've wanted to catch up on the Robert Langdon series for a while because like seeing as I've only read two of the books and there are like five out now i think there's a lot of those things and well, there's five of them now i yeah, didn't know he kept five. going of yeah, course did. yeah uh like uh the i think it's um the lost symbol inferno and origin are oh. the next three um and i wouldn't be surprised if he puts out another one by the time i ever get to those but i read the silent patient a while back and while i i mean i wouldn't necessarily stick it squarely in the thriller genre but it gave me a taste of what good pacing a book can have when it's not building up a secondary world i mean even though i love mm. all of that jazz obviously that's my main genre but it's kind of nice to have just like a, a nice 300 page like up and down kind of doesn't really stop i mean like um, blake crouch like those kinds of thrillers are awesome like dark matter and recursion um it's like uh some some other authors that i'm kind of eyeing right now are like gillian flynn who wrote uh, sharp objects and gone girl uh, i've heard both of those are really great uh, apparently harlan coben is also awesome and you can start pretty much anywhere with his stuff and he just writes like banger after banger uh, then karen slaughter is another her last name is slaughter like or wow i don't know if that's her given last name but or her actual last name but if she chose it that's awesome and if it's actually her name that's even cooler <laughs> uh but apparently uh pretty girls by karen slaughter is just such a crazy read and uh yeah absolutely brutal so thrillers maybe i don't know maybe i'll get into some i don't know james patterson or michael Conley or, or something like that but i don't know i've, I've kind of dug a i've tried reading james patterson uh, I think I read the first Jack Reacher book so long ago, and I just I can't really get into his writing. I just don't really like the way that he writes at all. Um, it's super stilted and like very very short sentences, very short mm. chapters, like very like staccato. Um, yeah, staccato is like a really good word for it. And I know you know I mean it's like a book you're supposed to read on an airplane. You know you can tackle it in four hours, mm. and it's just kind of like this romp that it's it's a page turner. You know you should check out a book called The Genesis Secret by Tom Knox. It's like very much in the vein of Dan Brown novel. I just pulled it up on Amazon here to make sure that I had the title exactly right. Are you sure it's and, not um, Sean Thomas? Is it? No, no, it's Tom Knox. Okay. T O M K N O X. Um, and it like literally oh, yeah, says yeah. in the first. Um, oh no, thing, he, he goes like, by Sean Thomas. Uh, 
Oh, he goes by Tom Knox. I oh, think that's his, his pen, pen name? name. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. That's why it came wow. Like that, totally. Um, but it's like the first sentence is a gripping high concept th- thriller for fans of Dan Brown and Sam Bourne. I was like, <laughs> oh, wow. Nailed that. But yeah, it's like um, a modern day murder mystery, kind of, except the murders all have to do with ancient um like rites and sacrificial things that ancient cultures would do so they're all very grisly not for the faint of heart like at one one of the murders is like what the vikings used to do with like the angel wings you know i won't get into it but it's very grisly oh it's 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 Uh, very disgusting the genesis (laughs) secret is a revelation so shocking that it may threaten the social structure of the world only yeah, one it's, man it's... knows the secret and he is intent on destroying the evidence before it can be uncovered yeah I'm, and they're running <laughs> and that, they're probably running you know i feel like he just stole that description from uh secret machines by uh tommy code. DeLong, <laughs> which is <laughs> also DeLong. great you should read the secret machines by tom DeLong. it's very fun oh man oh, oh my boy tom uh yeah it's so fun. yeah thrillers i mean maybe i'm just Maybe I'm just getting a little older, you know, and I just want to read. I just want to read books about people running around uncovering secrets and stuff. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm, and I'm not like a big fan of um, murder mysteries yet. I haven't got into like true crime stuff yet. And I don't think I'm I just I know that the idea of somebody uh, taking another person's life can be really fascinating. Uh, like that show Mindhunter is really awesome. I don't know if you've seen yeah, it. Yeah, um, I've seen an like, episode or two. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that like exploring it is really cool. I think like reading it in text like over and over again and just I don't know. I'm just not really in the mood for it. Like and I, but I totally totally see why so many people love true crime, you know. Same. And I wouldn't put Genesis Secret in like the true crime. It's more of like the thriller. thriller yeah. Yeah, like yeah. murder. There is murders, but you know, it's no it's more but it's about something bigger. There is a secret. Yes, a uh, big secret that will destroy society. <laughs> um so the next question is from my TikTok Q&A section, and it comes from Grizzly20. Grizzly20 asks, is there a book from a series you loved that you absolutely hated, or at least didn't like as much as the other books? Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. I think you should take this one first. Okay, so I mean, like, I could... I love to hear you complain. Music <laughs> to my ears. Um, I mean, it's funny, because both the ones that I picked, I was just kind of off the top of my head, but both the ones that I picked here are um, the second book in a trilogy. And it just <laughs> seems to just, just seems to be a thing. Um, I feel like I could do like a whole video essay on second books in a trilogy and this phenomenon that I experienced. Yeah, second book blues, it's a thing. Yeah, um, so for, for me, one of them is book two in the Shades of Magic trilogy. The high coming off of that first book in Shades of Magic is that book is a thriller. I mean, the, the shades, the first Shades of Magic book is so so great, and then book two. I mean, it's called The Gathering of Shadows, and there there was a really great idea behind the whole thing, and that that idea, and then the context around this thing being set up in the book, uh, made for a lot of great world building, and you had it kind of like necessitated seeing some. Uh, of these events through other characters, which is great. And I got to see some different sides to people that had just been kind of mentioned in passing, but we just kind of weren't seeing this thing for so long while all this mm-hmm. other stuff was going on. And then we finally get to this big event and it just fell a little flat for me. And I don't know, the book the book definitely brought the series to a crawl for me. Uh, it felt kind of directionless and stagnant, um, especially when compared to the first book but i mean i I love the way that ve schwab closed everything out in the third volume which is why i don't hesitate like recommending the trilogy to anybody because the third book is great it's awesome 
and it's just that second one just maybe it was just i don't know it took me so long to get through it it's it like probably not weeks to read yeah it's probably not just you and i think kind of you you kind of mentioned it in passing and i think this is really the reason for the second book blues is it's not the cute little gift that's all wrapped up and with a bow on top that is the first book um that is this fresh idea and this new thing it's like okay we now have to expand the world and or the characters and or relationships and or plot in order to be big enough to have three tomes worth and so you get a lot of you kind of get stuck in this character building character expansion world building realm and that's kind of almost all of my complaints about the second book blues have something to do with like man i'm just getting infoed yeah i mean it's kind of it doesn't always have to be this way right like it doesn't always right. have to like every trilogy is different or it can be very different but i've noticed that the second book in a trilogy it always seems to be a setup for the third book right you know? i mean it, it always seems to be okay we're expanding and now we've got a thing coming the thing's not coming until this third book so we're going to take the second book to kind of build everything up and it's sometimes it's really cool uh but sometimes it's like a it's like a pretty slow build and mm -hmm. for some reason a departure from the first book i don't know what, yeah. why that is really it's, it's i think it's the series trying to find its longevity you know because like i said Maybe, the first one's yeah. such a new idea and they're like i can't write three books that is like all the same so i kind of have to find the spirit and soul of the rest of this tale and there's some there's some soul story searching that occurs and sometimes it can be a little bit of a drag the other one uh would probably be the two towers uh, <laughs> really I, I know i don't okay so i'm just gonna throw in the caveat that it's it's lord it's lord of the rings right right i right. mean it stands far above so many things in, in my opinion it's basically untouchable but same i'm gonna, I'm gonna in all touch its it. forms I'm gonna touch all its manifestations. but i don't like the two towers very much i make fun of it all the time on social media it's my least favorite of the peter jackson movies it's my least favorite of the book trilogy just so much of it takes place in rohan and those parts, rohan does suck <laughs> i mean the, the the movies made it cool and there's there's cool parts and the cool conversations that happen in the books and stuff like when we meet uh Aomir and and stuff like that's right great. um like but those parts tongue being cast down cool those those parts do kind of drag a little bit um and then we switch over to Merry and Pippin and Treebeard and like whoa, right those, those are brutal chapters like they're <laughs> I mean they're they're I mean, beautiful they're there but there's like it's just songs and like walking and like it's yeah um <laughs> Okay, I'm it's, glad you brought this up. I have a question that I need answered. Maybe you can answer for me. Sure. Why is Rohan so freaking small? Like Gondor is this huge epic city, <laughs> and Rohan's like five buildings. Well, and like Rohan, I, well, Gondor is a realm, <laughs> right? So like, like Rohan isn't small. Uh, well, I know, but Edoras, like the, Edoras, Edoras is yeah. small. Yeah. Uh, yeah why boy, is that? Why is the city it's so just like this little community on a hill? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'd think it would be like a lot more sprawling. It's like it's funny that at least in the movies it's it's like all these houses are literally just on this hill and there's nothing else around the hill and it's like right you think that it would sprawl out a little bit totally then more. they show up with like forty thousand guys you're like where did they <laughs> well they came from outlying villages and things like sure. in, in rohan and um and there are like the urukai from from orthanc are kind of like pillaging and raiding everything and right just turn upside these, down and shake it yeah they're kind <laughs> of like urukai fall out <laughs> um but then like with minas tirith obviously yeah it's massive and there's a lot of people living there but then there's also people at least before that were living in like osgiliath and like um ethelian right. and thing and so there are like these little communities like the movies didn't really the movies kind of made it seem like there's not really 
that many people um, in these areas, or at least not a, an abundance of people. But I feel like it's communicated yeah. pretty well in the books that there are the, these outlying communities that are being affected. Okay, yeah, and they are ho- horse folk, so maybe that like tends to make lend around. to their them being more like you know expansive and and. Yeah, I mean the movies did it's a weird thing where they they took. Hilog, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it, well, I yeah. think um, is Kirith Ungol at the end of Two Towers? I can't remember. Yeah, I think uh, it no, ends with Shelob's. It there. ends with, yeah, Shelob and then Frodo being taken. And yeah, then, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, uh, and it's like funny because that's like, that's like a third of the way into the first, in, into Return of the King. So they right. like really moved everything around there. So the ending of the Two Towers is cool. Um, like, for, I mean, really... Uh, yeah, because like the taming of Smeagol stuff, because the way that the two towers is formatted, if you've never read the books, uh, dear listeners, um, the first half of it is Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas looking for Merry and Pippin, um, and then Merry and Pippin with Treebeard and stuff, and it's all that first half. And then the second half of the book Frodo, is Frodo and Sam in the Edmund Wheel before they even run into Gollum and all that stuff, and then it right, carries meet up on with Faramir and stuff. Right, I think like the Dead Marshes and stuff. So like that stuff is yeah. pretty cool. But I felt like the Two Towers is like the least consistent, you know, because with like Fellowship, it's just it's all awesomeness. I even love Tom Bombadil chapters and everything, oh, and the too. Barrow Downs and things like that. And then um, I think that the 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 pretty much everything in Fellowship, like after Gandalf dies, is a little boring until the Urukai show up and so it's just like this little sliver in Lothorian that's like it's not bad it's just a little bit like they're on boats on the river you know uh right for like a while <laughs> Galadriel's awesome she certainly is but then yeah and then Return of the King is you know uh, I just noticed uh I was looking up the word count because I was like comparing the word count in Lord of the Rings to um the word count in all the young dudes because all mm. the young dudes is just so long and then I noticed that Return of the King is actually the shortest book in the, the trilogy and oh, it, wow, it's funny because like on a shelf all three of them look roughly the same size but return of the king like a big chunk of that book is appendices it's so, such a huge um, part of the book is just is just tolkien going it's just tolkien tolkieting you know <laughs> like right now so yeah those are my two uh what about you those are good ones um and, and i'm glad that you chose specifically as it will uh, make sense in a minute why i say that okay so my first one is a book that is just always i have hated and I've even read it three times just to try to make sure that I really do hate it. You've read it uh, three times? Yeah. It's the spine of the world. It's like the 14th one in the Dritz books. <laughs> I don't want to ruin anything for you or for anyone who hasn't read, but a a character, a certain what series character... is it part of? Sorry to interrupt oh, you. Oh, no, what? no, you're fine. Um, Let me look. Is that Claret Quintet? No, that's not even. No, no, that's not even part of it. So I believe it's in like the Silent Blade like I mean, there's uh, that's the name of one of the books. There's like Passage to Dawn, Silent Blade, Spine of the World, and the Sea of Swords. It's like a four okay. chunk. Um, and I forget the name if it even has a name, but that's how it was released. And a certain character. It's not Paths of Darkness, right? Because that's the that's the one where the Spider Queen shows up and stuff, right? So it's yeah, not that's that Starless one. Night, Siege of okay, Darkness, okay, and okay. Passage to Dawn. Excuse cool. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and those are great. Those are awesome. Uh, okay, so a certain character has like needs to do some soul searching, and we basically like take a break from adventuring, and we go like live this domestic life with this like spoiled people in this castle, and it's like all drama and sadness and not fun at all, and terrible, and you hate it. All. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because maybe like uh, Salvatore was just like, okay, that's enough scimitars. I need to write something different. 
Was it just really uh, abrupt for you? Like it was just too yeah. much of a change too fast? Yeah, we went from like invasion from the spider queen peoples to just like, oh, but this person's pregnant and like, what's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't enjoy it at all. And then I've got a few other ones that I'm going to go through fast because they're not very big. Um, one of them is like the middle 300 pages to the last Harry Potter book um, where Harry, Ron, oh, yeah. and Hermione are just That's wandering trash. around yeah, looking for really horcruxes, yeah. being mad at each other. Uh, and then I've got the there's one. This is very unhelpful, but there's one of the Dresden bo- file books. I love the series, but there's one of them that I remember that I was like, man, that book sucked. <laughs> but there's like 20 of them and i can't remember which one it is so i've only read the first four but i didn't really love you're any either of gonna them. love them or like, hate them i feel like i don't know i think that like the idea behind uh dresden files is really cool like a, a private detective wizard in chicago and he's got like his his basement laboratory with his big cat and like a skull that talks and familiar thing. There's right. so many like really awesome parts of those books, but then I don't know. It just feels a little ham fisted sometimes, and it just feels. But uh, okay, so I'm, I'm saying all this, but apparently, like Jim Butcher said, he's not even like proud of those first few books, and that the series really takes on like a new life once you move past a few of them. And then like, I guess like the white council becomes like a way bigger deal. Yeah. And, like he's in, in and out. He's like in and out of the never, never like more often. And uh, there's I more lore the never, being never. dumped and stuff. And like, Michael's like a much bigger presence in a couple of mm-hmm. them and things like wow, that. Good memory, dude. Wow. Know, fuck? <laughs> You're incredible. <laughs> man. He's like, I wasn't even that into, <laughs> I know, uh, but I love Michael. I love Michael so much. Yeah. I would be pals with that guy. They move from like being extremely cheeky and kind of like, here's Dresden off to go save the ghosts in the local keep, you know, to being a lot more dark and Hmm, dealing with some like larger questions. They always remain kind of cheeky, but um, they they expand. I like them quite a bit. Yeah, I remember I was doing a live once and somebody asked me if I like Dresden files and I said something to the effect of like, I didn't really like Harry very much as a character. And then I got put in my place by the chatter who was like, dude, there's like 14 of them and you read four. You don't think he's going to change a little bit? And I was like, ah, that's a pretty good point, actually. <laughs> like, yeah, I but I mean, like, I'm sure he, like he becomes a more like well-rounded character and like, you know, but like, I think yeah. that, like me, I was just kind of like, well, that's the way that Jim Butcher wrote this guy. So I'm just and he's always going to stay like that. So I don't want to read it anymore. I don't know. And in your defense, you know, you shouldn't have to read more than four <laughs> I know, books I hear that in all... order to like become <laughs> attached to a character. Like, But right, if you just good... read fit five books, like, dude, I don't have to read five books to like this thing. No, <laughs> I know. That's why. Um, I mean, I think that the fifth Wheel of Time book is like absolutely incredible. I love uh, four, five and six are all really, really good. Um, but if somebody doesn't like the second one, I'm not going to be like, hey, you need to wade through 3000 more pages of this and then it gets awesome. You know, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, if you're not into it, then, you know, just, it's just like stop. The, the, <laughs> that last season of Friends, man, you got to get all the way to it because it is worth it. OK, so I also threw in uh, the second book from the Broken Earth trilogy. It was just a little yeah, bleak, a little escape. dark. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't really wasn't really for me. And then for my final answer, uh, which is why I'm glad that you brought up Lord of the Rings, is I'm just going to take this one step farther and mention a chapter that I just have always hated, uh, which is the Council of Elrond. No. It bored, it bored the hell out Chad, of me when I was a kid. No. I always skipped it. I love the Council of Elrond. There's like like it's multi-pages long. in elvish like verse and poetry and like there's like a part where bilbo recites something and yeah, yeah like 
Uh, I just like how so many questions get answered in the Council of Elrond. There's, there's a, a couple parts where they're like, well, why don't we just throw it into the ocean? And they're like, well, that's a good question, but here's why. You know, um, it's it feels a little dumpy sometimes, I guess, but um, just like the fact that these races are all sitting there, everybody's trying to hash this out. Nobody really knows that much about everything. Uh, yeah. So it's just like a really good opportunity, especially if it's your first time reading Lord of the Rings. I feel like Council of Elrond is really where things kind of like... Oh, it's right, important. Like, oh, Yeah, but I can totally... <laughs> it's long. It's super yeah. long. Yeah. I, I think it was just due to like me first reading it when I was like 12. And just like my 12-year-old brain was not reading Lord of the Rings for philosophical questions about what to do with like super powerful, like magical evils, you know? Yeah, you're and, like, let's uh, get on with it. Let's go destroy yeah, this thing. Like, yeah, this totally. Balrog, Balrog, you know? Um, <laughs> I didn't seem to have a problem with like the little vibey chapters like um, Tom Bombadil you mentioned. That was fun. I know that these are supposed to be kind of short episodes, and but uh, have you heard the theory that Tom Bombadil is actually Eru Iluvatar? I have, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think about a, that? Well, it's interesting because there's a part in. Tell everyone, give everyone the 10 second version of what Eru Iluvatar is oh, uh, yeah. for uh, everyone who doesn't. Eru Iluvatar is kind of like the main, like, God. God. He's like the one. Yeah. He's, he's the one that all the little. He's the one that all the. Um, uh, there's like a lower order of gods, like a pantheon, I should say. Um, but they're all kind of like. Well, then there's like another. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not going to get into this. Okay. But Eru Levitar is deep. like the main god of the uh, the Middle Earth, uh, Aya, all of creation and uh, Lord of the Rings stuff. And um, so there's this theory that Tom Bombadil, who is a character that was not a part of the Peter Jackson movies, uh, which makes sense. I feel like. I think uh, it was a good call. I know, I know that a lot of people really wanted him to be um but i think it probably would have it would have increased the runtime of that movie <laughs> by like quite a bit and then he never shows up again. well no he does show up again i think uh does he at the very end maybe yeah um but anyway but yeah it would have been really confusing like well, who is this person <laughs> but um you know so there's a lot of theories floating around he's he's brought up in the council of elrond and stuff they're like why don't we just give the ring to tom bombadil and stuff um but and then i think that there's a um there's a quote that i found just now from tolkien uh letters of tolkien from eight from it's number 80 181 uh there is no embodiment of the creator uh, anywhere in the story or mythology so uh yeah from tolkien from the mouth of tolkien himself uh it's not tom bombadil but i think people really liked the idea that eru Luvatar had kind of like intervened to be this kind of like happy-go-lucky like singing guy that's just kind of like i don't know whatever you guys are doing you know i'm just kind of right. over here doing my thing and i'll that's see you off on your adventure and with you know, goldberry yeah <laughs> yeah he's like, just well, doing his thing so yeah remind me why they didn't end up giving it to tom because it maybe it was a Gandalf situation, like all will love me in despair. I guess that was more of a Gladriel situation, but same same basic principles as to why you wouldn't give it to Gandalf. I think that the quote is like that he would like throw it away, <laughs> or he would like use it or throw it away. Oh, because he's frivolous. Um, so this is my very quick kind of um, theory of, about Tom Bombadil and not giving the ring to him and stuff. But Hit the me. ring, the ring, kind of like uh, takes advantage of people and races and beings who um, like desire power right so that's why it doesn't affect the hobbits as much you know oh because they're simple folk who just want to drink and smoke their pipe weed okay but like if you were to give it to boromir like it's it, like he would do with the ring exactly what the ring is like 
there for or exactly what uh people would be vulnerable to with the effects of the ring so like with tom bombadil is kind of like written as like outside of that whole order uh, the the whole uh, power hierarchy and stuff he's like the master of uh he's not like the master of the land like the land like takes care of itself he's just kind of like hanging out like as like a custodian of sorts it wouldn't have any effect on him but also he's just he's just like not part of all this i think they say something like tom wouldn't have even come to rivendell like if they had asked him you know what i mean so he's just he's so far outside of all that stuff so okay. that's the reasoning at least Okay, that makes sense. And for those of you listening, if this is the first time you're hearing of Tom, the scene where Aragorn chases away the Nazgul on top of uh, what is that mount? The Butte. Uh, well, called? it was it was the Watchtower of Amonsul, but it is now called Weathertop. <laughs> Love you so much. Uh, yes, Weathertop. It was Tom Bombadil in the books who came to their rescue, and then when. Um, they released their ponies. I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly, the ponies remembered having such a good time at Tom's house that they returned naturally on their own to Tom, who I think took them <laughs> back to uh, Old Hobbiton at some point. <laughs> Is that true that when they were on Weathertop, Tom did that? Yeah, because they feast with him for like two days and then they set off into the Barrow Downs and they start crossing that, which is still kind of like in Tom's land. And then... Um, Tom comes to to save them. But I think that um Aragorn still does save them from on Weathertop. Like Tom saves them at one point, but then I think when they're on Weathertop, that is Aragorn. Oh, okay. So I might Maybe he does. Oh he oh you're okay. No, no, no. What Tom does, they have um another fight with the whites. Not yeah. the Nazgul. They get yeah. in trouble with the whites in the Barrow Downs, and Tom saves them from that. Uh, and that whole bit was cut out from the things. Yep, I was conflicting. Good man, again, your knowledge. <laughs> that brain of yours, what would we do without it? All right, everybody, we went way off track in just the way that we do. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to our Friday Forge episode this week. Glad we got to answer a couple of your questions. Don't hesitate to post your own questions into the Friday Forge channel on the Discord. Join up on that Patreon. It helps Chad and I out so much. It's like three bucks a month. And you get all kinds of cool stuff, deleted scenes and all that jazz. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go read some Expanse before bed, I think. Me too. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I might read some Treasure Island. Like I said, I was really having fun reading to my cat out loud, having voices and stuff. What sort of accents do you think they have? They oh, have Treasure really Island? Heavily. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was like, giving them all like heavy British, like yeah, Cockney. Yeah, I mean, kind of like, <laughs> yeah. do whatever is natural, Chad. Okay, perfect. <laughs> my cat probably won't mind. Everybody, hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Thanks for listening. And of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody. Bye.